The world of sports entertainment is a multi-million dollar business that has launched the careers of some of the world's most famous superstars. It is a cutthroat, dog-eat-dog world of competition to be the best of the best, the greatest in the world, and the next big thing in the squared circle. Some call it, quote, fake. Some call it a, quote, soap opera with body slams, a scripted, choreographed drama designed to invoke powerful emotions from the audience and to keep them participating with the stars as they perform. Some, like me, call it awesome. But as high as the stars go and as bright as the lights may be, there are some just as equally dark secrets in the business. With the death of kayfabe and the prevalence of social media, there aren't many dark spots anymore. People are more interested in the strange truth associated with the characters of wrestling, and real life is just as interesting to the fans as the fiction behind their gimmicks. Today we're going to discuss the cases uh, in the deaths of three stars in relation to the world of wrestling. Dino Bravo was murdered in his home. Gino Hernandez overdosed, quotes, overdosed on cocaine. And we will discuss Vern Gagne, a respected superstar and manager who was responsible for the death of his roommate. But because both of the men suffered Alzheimer's, he was never charged with the murder. Shout out to Rich Abbott for suggesting that case. Join me and my guest, Christopher, from the Off the Ropes podcast available on YouTube as we discuss the dark side of the sports entertainment industry. make the introductions hi everybody this is the wheel of crying podcast episode number three everybody this is chris chris everybody hello everyone i am chris aka communicated saint for uh for about four years i did a podcast called off the ropes with my friend who uh was having his own technical difficulties and could not join us uh today joe uh aka kane super what snooka 
where we talked about wrestling and pay-per-views and really towards the end there, it just became just like a bitter death, you know, death knell of my fandom for professional wrestling. So that's how I ended up on this podcast. And it was an awesome, well, let's say your wrestling knowledge ended you up on the podcast, but the fact that you had already hosted a podcast before definitely didn't hurt your chances. (laughs) No, it did not. That is always good. And of course, in true off the ropes fashion, the, <laughs> the 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 first time we tried to do this, my side of the audio didn't uh, didn't record. So, <laughs> so it's not just me. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. It, 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 it's technical glitches that. Now, I'll tell you what I don't miss. The, I don't miss putting together uh, putting together the podcast uh, every every month like I used to. It's, it's definitely some stress that is no longer on my plate but i'm happy to come and do this again and and come and discuss uh just again, again uh, so that you fine folks can hear about the weirdness that is the three topics that we have chosen for today um yeah. of course thank you for having me on for those of you in the listening audience who do not know uh our illustrious host here was in fact the invisible never actually on the show, third member of the crew, because uh, <laughs> she is the world's biggest Chris Jericho fan, who I just found out today had his AEW belt stolen. For really? realties. For realties. For, like for, for, for realties, not joking, not a wrestling angle, had his, had his newly won AEW world championship stolen right out of the limo from his airport when he stopped to get something to eat. Oh, filed a police report and everything. So let me ask you. Okay, so <laughs> does Chris Jericho take every fucking belt he's ever won with him, or is this a new belt that he has? Oh, he just won this one over the weekend at the AEW oh, okay. uh, uh, thing. Unless he does is he carry every belt with him, because they did not say it was specifically that belt. They just said it was a championship belt that was stolen, but it can be presumed. <laughs> and he was the undisputed champion. No, he was, and he is the undisputed and first AEW champion. So, <laughs> yeah, Cassin had the belt God. for more than 72 hours, and it's already missing. Way to go, Chris. <laughs> oh, and before we get too far into it, L2J. L2J. <laughs> oh, my God. Every I time I heard that, I would just crack up going, oh, my God, you motherfuckers, you made the list. <laughs> For those of you who don't know the inside, well, you probably, none of you know the inside scoop on this one. I am not the world's biggest Jericho fan. And as a matter of fact, for a long time, every time anybody would say, oh, that's so gay, I'd be like, oh, that's so Jericho. I'm not disputing that he is a great wrestler. But at the time, I was just really sick of his gimmick and I thought he sucked. But he is, I guess he is a goat. He is. I mean... It, it, you have to hand it to him. Unlike Logan, he's reinvented himself and ha- has Ooh. found a way to stay relevant. Well, you know, let's not get into the Hogan thing. I've got a whole big old thing on that. But the, one of the one of the people that actually recommended one of the cases tonight about the Vern Gagne, his name is Rich Abbott. He's a huge Hulk Hogan fan, so I don't want to knock Hogan too much. Not too much, but yeah, I, I, I'm there with you on that one. Um, oh. So, yeah. Let's go ahead and just jump right into this. Um, th- I want to start with the case that we started with the first time. The first, I'm sorry, th- you guys missed the best episode. We had the we had the best episode the first time. This one's going to be awesome, but the first one was great. Sorry, yeah, this was just it's hard to catch up lightning in a bottle twice. But uh, <laughs> you know, we started off last time, if I remember correctly, with the curious case of Vern Gagne, who yeah, because uh, you didn't even know about it, and that's what no. I thought was so odd. 
like I knew he had died, but I didn't know about this, which is just uh, as, ah. as, as bizarre as it comes. So for those of you who do not know, Vern Gagne was a big time wrestler in, um, I want to say about the 40s and 50s growing up. Um, and then in the 60s, he formed uh, the American Wrestling Association or the AWA. And if any of our listeners are big time fans of, say, Hulk Hogan or anyone in WWE, you owe that to Vern Gagne because the AWA was the promotion where just basically Vince raided really heavily, really. Like, if you want to talk about the people who he had, Bobby Heenan. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, mean Gene Okerlund, Randy Savage. And, oh, Mr. All the Perfect was it was in there for uh, for a while. The yeah. Iron Sheik, Roddy Piper, like anyone who was a big name in the '80s in the rock and wrestling connection came out of the AWA. Which of course. What about Jake Roberts? Roberts? Jake Roberts was the, was in the AWA too. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, he was. So, uh, like, like literally anyone from back in that era, and that awesome. uh, he lived a long freaking time. I think at the time of his. Yeah, he was eighty nine. Yeah, eighty nine. And uh, I know at the time that he killed he he that he killed his roommate, he was eighty two. So he lived yeah. even longer past this. So uh, the the thing was is that he was he was um, responsible in a a fit of dementia for the death of one Doctor Helmut Gutmann, and if that sounds like very German, that's because it is. And the, the, the other thing that makes this thing just so freaking odd was that uh, Helmut Goodman was a Holocaust survivor. Or, or maybe not a Holocaust survivor, but he definitely fled Nazi Germany um, uh, in order to preserve his life and that of his, of his family. He was a doctor, a cancer researcher. Yeah. Um, Big time, and yeah. yeah. Very smart, and, very intelligent man. And apparently he was roommates with, with Vern and the two of them both together in their old age had degenerated to a point where they had dementia. And, and Helmut uh, was 97 when this happened. So, I mean, yeah. imagine you've gone your whole life. You've, you've survived the Nazis. You researched cancer. You did all, you did these amazing things. You came and you started a whole new life in a whole new world. And then you get taken out by Vern Gagne. Well, I actually did a little bit more research after the last time we talked about it. And it wasn't just a simple body slam. Apparently, he picked Gutman up and hurled him, like, yeah. full on through on the floor and then broke his hip by pulling back on the body. Yeah. So there was some extensive damage that happened here. Now, as you were also quick to point out, neither man, they were so far gone that neither of them had any recollection as to what actually happened. Like, and... They were they were living in a in a facility that was supposed to be watching them, mm-hmm. and didn't. And that's yeah, nothing. And, and when that when his daughter was asked about it, I mean, like he she was Helmet's. I'm sorry, Helmet's wife was very understanding about what had taken place. But Vern's daughter was kind of more on the defensive. I mean, she kept saying, you know, he has a one minute memory of retention, and you know anybody can, you know you're not going to publish what really, you know, all the stuff, the stuff that really happened, you're going to publish the gory details and it's just bullshit. And, and I, and I get her point. It's sensationalism totally is what it is. It is. Yes. And yeah, I, I, they must've done a 
fantastic job keeping it quiet because I, yeah. I don't know anyone who knew about this. I mean, like, that's something that you probably just found out, like, if you were in the Minnesota area where he was big. But Right, and how Rich knew about this when he brought this up to me. I'm going, how did you know about this? And I didn't know. that It, it, it didn't even register to me. So when you said you didn't know, I'm sitting there going, okay, so I don't feel so bad that I didn't know. No, like, uh, it's such, and again, it's so deranged. And, you know, I went looking, and I could never find where anyone was actually ever held accountable for this. Because, well, no. th- because it's... They didn't press charges. Both, no, but both, well, they should have, but well, it should have been, fa- been the families of, bo- of both sides pressing charges against the facility, because nobody knew what happened. Nobody, they weren't being right. supervised, but that's the reason why they're there. They were in a facility because they both had Alzheimer's, and they both had, and they both, you know, Right. We're in now, fair, has. But to be fair, if if you're a nurse and you're working on a floor with a ton of patients, and this, maybe it's bedtime, maybe they're in the middle of the night and he wakes up from a dream, and this happens, we don't know the circumstances. So I mean, it could have been anything, and we could hold the the facility responsible. But at the same time, I mean, this really was just one of those freak kind of accidents because. Like you said, I mean, when, when you're in the throes of, of Alzheimer's and you don't know what's going on, you can become dangerous because you're unpredictable at that point, especially a man who has been wrestling for 50, 60 years yeah. of his life. It's yeah, instant. Like a, he, even in his old age, he wasn't a small dude. No, but, he burned fucking Ganya, man. He's huge. But, you know, uh, you see, uh, I, I know that, they, uh, that, uh, that uh, the DA's uh, office officially said that they wouldn't be prosecuting because he lacked the mental capacity uh, right. to, to stand trial or to he even was being held, harm. He was being but, held responsible but right. not being charged. But I still say that, I, I still say, this is my own personal opinion, I still say that both of them should have gone after the facility because that, that's their job. Their job was to make sure that, the, that the, these guys can't hurt themselves or hurt others and they failed spectacularly on it and it, it's a it's a definitely a black mark for what is probably one of the pioneers of, of wrestling as we know it like without like again i cannot stress to you without Vern Gagne, there is no hulk hogan there's no randy savage there's no sergeant right. slaughter i mean maybe there is in some capacity but not in the way that we knew them oh no you know, i mean like hell even no without Sa- iron sheik there wouldn't be a hulk hogan come on but, I mean, everybody has even, their part even today like there is no eric bischoff there is no paul Heyman. Without, yeah. w- without them, because that was one of their first jobs working for the AWA. So, in, in large part, it, even though it was a territory, it, it, it had huge, huge uh, implications for wrestling as we know it today. Even wrestling as we remember it, his fingerprints are all over it. It's just a, it's a crying shame that towards the end of his life, this, something like this had to happen. It didn't have to. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's just sad no matter what, because you see these wrestlers, they give so much of their lives to wrestling, and then you see things like this happen to them in the end. It's like, why? <laughs> why? Well, I mean, it could have been anything, but why dementia? I mean, I, I guess I understand, because now that we have gone through the Crispin Waugh issue, and we understand that the brain of a, of a wrestler is far more deteriorated than the brain of a regular person not taking chair shots every damn night. You know, it's not just the chair shots. It's that, and and it's. I was thinking about this after after the uh, after take one. You know, it's that flying (laughs) headbutt. 
yeah. to be quite honest, which so which has injured so many wrestlers. Harley Race, oh. God rest his soul, who recently passed away, oh, said that yeah. if he knew the damage that that, that move would do, would have done when he introduced it, he never would have done it. Because if you think about it, um, it doing that flying headbutt realistically paralyzed the Dynamite Kid, one of the greatest wrestlers of, of the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Realistically, it had a big, you know, it, it had a big to-do with everything that Benoit went through and the deterioration of his brain because uh, however much you're, you're throwing yourself on the ground, if you're throwing yourself head first at someone and, and that sudden yeah. stop, you know, your head might stop, but that's just fluid and tissue up there. That's going to keep moving. Um, and here's the, here's the fucked up thing about the whole thing is you ask one of these guys, would you go back and change a thing? And they'd say no. Even knowing yeah, that it's going to clear their brain up, even knowing what is going to happen, they wouldn't change a fucking thing. You know, even Mick, has, Mick Foley has said, uh, said that, you know, knowing what he knows now, he might go and, and maybe take a few less of those crazy bumps that he did with his knees yeah. the way that it is. With but the he, took he, he, he took so many bumps. That dude was just insane. He he was a great wrestler, though. I got to give he you was, that. He was, a, he was a great he wrestler. Was, he was a spectacle oh. to watch. But you know, oh man, you know, he he was a, the next T plunge, the Hell in the Cell match, just just the way the horrible horrible things he did to oh, his knees. That one cage the, the, the match with, with the Undertaker. Oh, that was my favorite all time match. That was amazing. Everything that both of those men went through. Yeah. Over like three times over in that match. That was three matches in and of itself. That was amazing. So anyway, <laughs> let's, anyway let's move forward. We're, di- we're diverging again, just like we did the first time. But that's all right. I know, but that's cool. <laughs> so moving on, uh, the next with probably somebody our audiences, even our wrestling savvy savvy audiences, may not know as much. We're kind of going from probably the most well known on down the list, which would be uh, the the sad case of Dino Bravo. Now, for oh, those yeah. of you, again, who are not in the know, Dino Bravo was a Canadian strongman. Uh, he was actually born in Italy, so he's actually str- uh, straight up, uh, straight up for real, is Italian. Uh, but uh, made his, most of his, his real home. name is Adolfo Bresciano. Yes, yes, and as much as you might say, you know, might laugh at this he ran afoul of the canadian mafia and you do not fuck with the canadian mafia they are no fucking joke they will take you out for maple syrup man like i'm not even joking like most people think that's a joke when i say that it is not it is not go look up go, go look up maple syrup counterfeiters and and maple syrup robbery it's a real thing it is it is and that's what's so messed up because this was about cigarettes Cigarettes of all the things. Now, now cigarette we as Americans smuggling. we joke about how yeah, cigarette smuggling. So we joke about how funny it is. You know, the Canadians are so polite, you know. But th- it's not like this was cocaine. It's not like this was heroin. This was cigarettes. So, but let's put it in co- into context because this was back in the early nineties. Yeah, and it was, uh, back in yeah, taxes were going up, and everything was cheaper in Canada for some reason, wasn't it? Now, yeah, everything was che- everything was cheaper. Uh, no, everything was cheaper on our side because Canada has, oh, has, right. has, has the big taxes. Now, Dino that's was right. on the uh, was on the uh, was on the other side of his WWE career at the very least, but he's yeah. probably what you could call 
you could you could consider him a Canadian hero. Uh, he had the he, he had the backing. He, he had he was a he was a strong man uh, before he was a wrestler. He was a legitimate like tough dude, um, and uh, he was probably one of the more well known. He was we we discussed this the last time how a, a lot a lot of the people in that era were if you're foreigners, especially if you're Canadian foreigners, you were some kind of a heel. Like, you know, yes. the Canadian earthquake and was a heel, kind of the Canadian strongman, yeah. you know, but even still with the heel status, he was pretty well known. He was pretty popular, especially with the indigenous uh, uh, people up, uh, up north. And, and so, he really was. But with WWE or at WWF at the time, he was more he was more of a B, almost C card wrestler, wasn't he? He wasn't uh, an A class. No, he, he was he was A class because he was a part of the he was a part of the menagerie that they would feed to Hogan. So, well, yeah, that's true. so the machine, the way it was, is they would bring someone in or they would build somebody up from the undercard and you would feud with Hogan and then you would go away and you'd go do something else until they were done with you. And that's kind of where Bravo kind of came in. He feuded with Hogan or Quake feuded with Hogan. He and Quake kind of had sort of a tag team that never really went anywhere. And then he just kind of fell down the card a little bit. Did some, t- uh, did some stuff with Jake Roberts and Tito Santana and some other people, and then just kind of quietly went off on the end. Yeah. But still, he was, he, was, he was still, you know, pretty well-known, pretty world-renowned yeah. for, for his wrestling. He was the Mark Henry of Canada, man. He was the world's, the Canada's strongest man. And so he got into this cigarette smuggling because of the, he was... Uh, he was apparently the the nephew by marriage to one of the Montreal crime bosses. If yeah. you can believe that and say that with a straight face, but um, <laughs> he was. And when you say it like that, <laughs> it, it sounds so stupid. It does. Canadian crime boss. Like for honestly, if you didn't I'm read sorry, this I'm stuff, yay. If you didn't read this stuff, if you didn't look at this stuff and read this stuff, you wouldn't believe it. But it is a thing. And so, like, I want to apologize to all of our Canadian listeners right now. All two of you, sorry, but you know, (laughs) it's unfathomable down here being a being a stupid America, especially in the deep south like I am. But oh, dude! But it's like cigarette smuggling, which seems so stupid to us, but the taxes up there are so much more. So, right. so it becomes a real big thing, and apparently he was stepping on the wrong toes uh, because. And if, they... and, and if you know anything about economics, I'm sorry to interrupt, but oh, no. if you know anything about economics, like like right now, Indiana, like I don't know, it's the same thing, but like Indiana cigarettes are way more than the cigarettes in Louisville. So you got people going down to Louisville and picking up cigarettes and bringing them over in Indiana. It's probably not the same thing because you're not going to get shot for that shit. Anyway, no, but... probably not. <laughs> but uh, it's it's a thing. But yeah. so when they found him, you know, he was only 44 years old. So he was not old. He was only about four years older than us when he, when he died. He was shot yeah. 17 times. Seven times. That's just head. to the head. Well, yeah, there's conflicting reports. The reports, w- which I'm still oh, okay. going with, is 17 times total. Seven in the head, 10 in the torso. While he was right. watching hockey in his home. Um, so he knew who killed him. He knew who killed him, yeah, probably. Because uh, as far as I know... There was no forced entry or anything like that. Uh, yeah, there was no signs of a break-in, no footprints. And this was this was March time in Canada. So there would have been snow on the ground. 
somebody would have come up to a window or something. But the fact that he had a loose grip on the remote says he got hit from behind. So they're thinking that somebody had come down and sit down with him to watch hockey, went up to go to the bathroom and shot him. So well, he knew who the fuck killed him. Yeah. And, and uh, apparently, according to, to many of his friends, including Bret Hart and Rick Martell, yeah, it was, he knew his days were numbered. He knew it was coming. Yeah. So it didn't surprise him. I actually, and again, in my research, I actually found that his remains are actually still being held in a mausoleum uh, at uh, Notre Dame de Negles Cemetery in Montreal, Quebec. So. Yeah. And you can, you can go online and see pictures of that mausoleum if you want to. I can post it on, I'm, I'm probably going to post it on uh, the blog. So take a look at that. But it's just one of those things where, like, you don't shoot some, someone 17 times unless you are that, – that's not a hit. That's personal. That's, yeah. that, that's somebody is way – You fuck somebody off. over. You know, someone's way the fuck pissed off. Yeah, they 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 think. I mean, Rick Martell had said that he had like a four hundred thousand dollars shipment in somewhere in a warehouse for like three days, and they think that maybe when the guy went to pick it up, the police were there. That's what I've heard too. That he fucked up a really big shipment, and that this was payback. Of course, this this was the speculation. It was all that's something Rick Martell had said. Right. It's difficult because there's also the wrestlers also want to want to keep the mythos of things and. Right. You know, it's it's a shame. He was a, I mean, he was a good player. I feel like he probably would have been one of those dudes. Um, I, I I feel like he would have been one of those dudes that probably would have opened up a wrestling school up in Canada, and oh, yeah. he would be like a Lance Storm right now. Ooh, like somebody, a Lance Storm with a little bit more of a of a of a better. He's, he's, a better, uh, he's a better humor. technical wrestler, but I mean, it's one of those things where you could see him like like teaching people how to wrestle, using his connections yeah. to get his students up there, and making like Hall of Fame appearances. You know, this. Yeah, just... I mean, most of the WWE remember him as a bad guy, but he really was a good. Every wrestler that I've ever heard interview about him said he was the best guy. He was such a nice man. He would give the shirt off of his back for you. He loved his daughter. He loved his life. He loved everything. Yeah. And that's what was such a shame for him to to have gone. I can remember Saturday mornings wrestling, watching him an earthquake, you know, in, in the Heart Foundation. Or not the Heart Foundation, the, with, no, with no, Jimmy Hart. No, the Heart Foundation, the Heart Foundation was around back then. I don't know yeah, if they were still with, with Jimmy Hart at that point, but they were around. Because yeah. the Heart Foundation is another one of those Canadian heels. Until oh, yes. they, until they turn. I still don't see the whole thing about Bret Hart. I'm sorry. You know, he was a very good technical wrestler, and for the and for the changing times, he was a he was a good role model. But eventually, his time came and went. And long before he knew it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, let's let's move into the next one because we could we could sit here and talk about Bret Hart and Hogan. And I all think this I, I think over oh, half people. of the podcast that we recorded last time was us just shooting the crap because we got so distracted just talking all over the place <laughs> with it. But the, 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 you can't the, help it though. You can't help it, especially when you talk with somebody that knows what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. That's really hard. You know, you just start talking about this and that, and you're like, oh, what about this one? What about that? Yeah. But uh, the last case that we are looking at today 
is you actually brought this to my attention because I had not known about this guy. I mean, I'm probably sure in to be fair, uh, this all happened when you and I were like eight years old. So yeah, you know, this wasn't really a big deal. But uh, the tragic case of Gino Hernandez. Yeah. Now, for those of you again not the know, which seems to be how I'm starting off all of these. But at any rate, I've got a thing going. Awesome. Uh, Gino Hernandez was a was a big time wrestling heel way back in the the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, he was only he, he was only like twenty eight when he died. Um, yeah, but he, he was not. a fantastic wrestler. He was a heel. He was a Ric Flairish kind of heel. And that kind of looked like the, the, the path directory that he was going to go on. He was athletic. He was good looking. You know, he had, the, he had the swagger. He had, like, the character, you know, all over the place. And technically, he was a second-generation wrestler. His, his adopted that, father yeah, his was adopted a wrestler. Father, yeah. yeah. There's also the rumor that, he, that his real father was actually – the guy who the guy who who ran world class wrestling uh, world class championship wrestling that has been debunked. Yeah, but yeah. it is. He was one of those live fast. I'm sure you've heard you've heard this. Live fast, die young, make a great looking corpse. If there was ever a poster child for for that, it is Gino Hernandez. So Gino's the thing where it just kind of goes off the rails, like it, it's all over the place. Uh, as we discussed last time, is um, Gino, over the course of his wrestling career, had gotten in with, from what some people thought were some pretty dangerous people, maybe the, the mafia around Houston. He would go to Vegas for weekends. He was really heavily into drugs. Like, there was the, there was the rumor that he had a fruit bowl full of cocaine that was, looked like yeah. a fruit bowl full of sugar that he would just take a bump off every time he went past um, he got really paranoid towards the end. He ended up getting a gun. Steve Austin's uh, wife at the time, Lady Blossom, who, who was friends with him, or not wife at the time, but one of his ex-wives, the first one. I was going to say that wasn't Deborah, was it? No, it wasn't Deborah. It was, oh. He had a wife before then, who was right. Chris Adams' wife before then. Oh, wrestling, Lord. Wrestling, wrestling relationships are weird, man. I, I just stay out of them. So weird. <laughs> so weird. But yeah. the, the, the basic nuts and bolts of it come, uh, come down to this. The, he missed a few matches, and they, sent, and they sent his agent to go find him. And then they found him dead in his apartment, uh, in his bedroom. Now, this kind of veers off the course because apparently the manager did some stuff to do some cover-ups because he didn't want anyone to see Gino that way. Apparently the body was pretty badly decomposed. Like he had been there yeah, for a while. Yeah, he'd been there for like five days. Nobody found him for five days. Yeah, I wonder how you do that because that, that corpse stinks up the place like nobody's right? business. But what was it? If it was a standalone house, that uh, could it was be an apartment. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, like law enforcement, like uh, like his manager and law enforcement officials basically had to had to go in and they flushed all the drugs. Um, oh lord. They're really, really the whole thing just kind of got swept aside. I don't think anyone was ever, was ever, uh, 
was ever indicted. I don't think the police ever actually looked into his no. death, but there was always like the kind of he got whacked by the mob kind of thing. Um, yeah, it was ruled it was ruled a, a homicide, but after the autopsy reports, like his death was then ruled a result of an overdose of cocaine. But they found more cocaine in his system than anybody could comfortably say was an overdose. They found it in his belly. How do you get it in your belly? That uh, uh, it's probably something that we will never know. Um, and if you want to learn more about this, there is a fantastic episode of The Dark Side of Wrestling on this yes. particular episode, which features interviews from uh, from Bruce Pritchard, uh, Jake Snake Roberts did uh, did a thing, um, uh, did a bit a bit on it. They even got Gino's mother. They even got somebody yeah. claiming to know what happened to Gino and saying that it wasn't a hit and that she has nothing to be afraid of after all of these years. Oh, speaking of Jake Roberts, I have a clip of him saying that he was involved with with the gay quote gay scene. What does that mean? Did you know anything about that? I kind of heard about it. I, I kind of, since the last one, read up and he did kind of mention that. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. I mean, he did have like two two wives and, you know, it's one of those things. He could have been bisexual. Exactly. You, I'm not one to judge. You do what makes you happy yeah. is, is right. my mantra. But I mean, even to this day, people are skeptical. Like one of the big things was that when his funeral service came around. The expenses were handled by a dude named John Royal. And for those of you who don't know who he is, which I didn't know who he was uh, until, uh, until I watched The Dark Side of Wrestling, he was a big crime figure in the Houston, in the Houston crime family. Um, yeah. He went and basically John Royal oversaw the entire proceedings for the funeral, which made everyone uneasy. You know, now, who always... tapped him for that? Did anybody actually say, hey, dude, we need you to, to oversee the, the proceedings? Or no, did he, he just, just volunteer it. himself? He just did wow. it of his own volition because he was a quote-unquote fan. Like, there's apparently some, you know, a story his mom told that, you know, some of his people were there and were intimidating her. Like, she feared for her life, so she went along with it kind of deal. Wow. Um but there are people to this day who feel like there was a huge cover-up because of all of this. Um, sure. there, that, that it was a homicide, there, that uh, there was no way he could have he imbibed that much cocaine. Um, no, that was, that was more, and, and, if, and if you really look at the statistics, and this, this is why I'm kind of harping on it, is because they said that you would have passed out at least half of what he ingested and but but they kept putting more in him they said they kept putting more in him right. um i don't know if that means may, maybe he was just hit like a champ you know if he's the rick flair of of the early 80s maybe he was just built for that kind of shit and maybe after a while it gets into your belly because you start you know your nose is connected to your throat and it's connected to your mouth and you know it all just yeah. starts going down there well, and, and, and the other thing also is, is that, you know, like there's a lot of things that don't add up. His deadbolt wasn't on. And we're talking about a dude that was highly paranoid, paranoid enough to go get a loaded gun. You know, Michael Hayes, like the, the, the guy who basically wrote the book on party and, and then <laughs> broke a glass bottle and shipped the book. Michael, his girlfriend Michael Hayes, uh, dude, I swear to God. 
I never got pre-birth. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't either, but you know, I was very tag team, but I never got it. Uh, he he yeah, yeah, he, he said that he, he said that he was he had a hard time believing that that was an OD, mostly because he knew he was re- hanging with the wrong crowd and just ran his mouth too much, or knew too much, or all of the above. Um, right. Everyone was pretty much of the mind that he hung with the wrong crowd. There's even a there, there's even a theory out there that he's not really dead. Because apparently, when, when approaching his death, um, he talked about faking his death, um, and that he and that he just had enough. Uh, he was in too deep, faked his death, and took off. And he's living somewhere you, south of the border. You would have had to have, well, number one, his last name. Even though he was technically Gino Hernandez. He wasn't a Mexican. He didn't, I, he wasn't born Spanish. I'm not saying he didn't know Spanish, mm-hmm. but he wasn't like, it's not like he could pass. His name was Charles Wolf Jr. For God's sake. He was probably fucking Jewish. Probably. And number two, and it, no, not, not like it matters, but number two, um, how deep could he have gotten into these drugs? I mean, how fucking deep into drugs did he get if he was maybe on his way to A-class wrestler and getting into this shit. Why would death be more suitable than actually getting on top of the world and paying off your debts? I don't know. You know what I mean? You never know it's, because he died too soon. And again, but a lot of people the, think the family never saw the body, which is which is another thing that leads it to it. His mo- his mother, his what? wife, never saw his body. Who saw his body then? Uh, his manager. His manager, his manager said that uh, that due to its decomposed state, they didn't want to see it. His manager identified um, him. So there, there's always this is one of those things where where there's always these you know with conspiracy theories, you know you you right. have to subscribe to the idea that everything lines up perfectly. But with this one in particular, I mean, there's just so much, and it's probably in reality, it's probably just a lot of little inconsistencies, or maybe and somebody really did. Or maybe somebody really did get away with murder. Who knows? I don't think that he's still alive because five days in an apartment, no, that's... I don't know where he lives, but five days, I've been in an apartment where somebody has died and, and stayed there for three days. That is a smell you cannot get out of your nose for life. You, you know that smell. So if somebody had gone in there, they would have noticed that. They would have known that he was dead. Right. You know what I mean? there wouldn't have been any question about it. Nobody would have smelled it. And they would have said, ooh, is there really somebody in here? No, somebody had to come in and know that he was dead. So I don't think those rumors are true. The I rumors about him. Either. But it's one of those yeah. real fun, it's one of those real fun, uh, real fun conspiracy theories. It's like Elvis, you know, Elvis isn't dead. Sure. He just went home. <laughs> All right. Or, what happened to John Benet Ramsey? You know, these questions we're probably never going to know the answers to. We're never going to know who killed Dino. We're probably never going to know who killed Gino. However, we know what happened with Vern. That's just, you know, that's just one of those weird things. Yeah. But I mean, that's wrestling. There's like, and we, we were, when we were discussing, when you had invited me onto this episode and we were talking about what to do, uh, like we were just going down the list. Like if you want like in ring accidents, like there's Owen Hart and there's uh, oh. Pero Aguilera who who died recently in a ring with Rey Mysterio Jr. of all freaking people. Yes. 
you know, yeah. there's, you know, and there's, I know there's people like a uh, uh, Rocco Rock uh, who had a heart attack and just dropped dead in the middle in the middle of a match, not for any, not because of anything. Hell, we almost lost Jerry Lawler for the same thing. Just, right. just had a heart attack right right after a match with Dolph Ziggler. Man, would that would that have changed his career? Oh, um, with Dolph Ziggler, dude, come on, that guy—he's so underrated. He is such a great. He's a hype. He he he, he gets you hyped up, man. He he is, but at this point, it's kind of a joke. At this point, he's the best at what he does, which just takes it from Jobber. <laughs> he's a good at jobbing, man, like Kofi. <laughs> uh, you listen to my podcast. Dolph Ziggler was our uh-huh. name for every uh, for everyone who would just lose consistently. <laughs> I love that. I'm sitting there going, man, you're joning on him too much. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, but I mean, like, even like other like things, like you, if you want to get like to real tragedy, like there's any number of wrestlers who couldn't take not being oh. in the spotlight anymore. Luna Vachon, uh, uh, Brian Adams, who was Crush. Uh, it's just long oh. and numerous. Or yeah. China. Like, I'm, I love China, but look at what happened to her. She that 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 death made me cry more than any wrestling death because I loved her so much. But that was a sad descent. It was. It was. It was, it, it was a. It was a shame. Because I mean, they're all a shame. But yeah. you know, in, in this lovely this lovely sport that we love, there's a huge dark side to it, and. You know. Like I said in the beginning, as bright as the star, as bright as the stars are, as bright as the light shine, the darkness is even worse. Yeah. Because with kayfabe, you just don't want people to know those things, and especially back in the day, nobody talked about the shit behind the scenes. Nobody. Hell, with the the airplane crash that nearly uh, that nearly ended Ric Flair's career, he was in he was in the plane with two people who were rivals with one another, yeah. and to keep kayfabe. One of them just basically says, like, no, no, I'm, I'm a friend of the promoter, and then checked himself out of the hospital with, like, two broken femurs, and then went under his mask and went, because it, I think it was, like, Mr. Wrestling number one or number two, one of the Mr. Wrestlings, I think it was, there's yeah. so many of them, but basically went, and he just wrestled injured because, because that's, that's not how seriously they took it, but, yeah. Men wrestle injured all the time, and it's because it's not because they have to. They don't have to do this. It's because they love it. They want to entertain us. Hey, you tell you what. Next time, if we want to, if we want to change it up, we could uh, we could follow Ming and and the many stories and his many run-ins with the law and being the toughest man in all of wrestling. (laughs) If if you if you've never heard it, just go and just go on to YouTube. And look and look up Ming slash Haiku slash King Tonga, and just yeah. look at all of the what all of the wrestlers say. I think it was uh, I think Perry Saturn was in an interview where somebody like listed off like a bunch of people's <laughs> names, just like Harley Race, the Barbarian, uh, Bradshaw, Ming, like just listed up like a bunch of like the toughest dudes in wrestling. And he was like, and then he was like, who wins? And like he didn't even hesitate. He's like, oh, Ming wins. Ming could, would <laughs> Ming would kill us all. Maybe not Barb because because he likes him, but he'd kill us all. There's nothing we could do about it. Nothing. Yeah. We couldn't stop him. There's nothing we could do about it. Like the, <laughs> the legendary list of freaking things, which also leads to another weird thing, which I, 
I suppose, you know, suppose if you were ever interested in doing that in the future, is why would you go into a bar and fuck with a wrestler? Which apparently what? is the basis for a lot of these stories. It's just like walking up to a dude like <sighs> Harley Race, or in some cases, Andre the Giant. Why would Who? you go to well, a dude like that? Because these guys gotta gotta prove their machismo and their manhood, and I'm sorry, you're not gonna prove shit. All you're gonna prove is that you're a greasy stain on the fucking floor. Because damn, how many people have done that? I've heard those those same things about John Cena. John Cena is John Cena. However, compared to the average man, I'm not fucking with that dude. I'm no. not fucking with him in a bar. No, fuck that. He's he's a monster. He's, he's, he's a huge dude that is jacked yeah. and very strong. And thank you. I may, I may not agree with him as a he, as he wrestling draw, but, right. and, he may not, and his wrestling style may not be my bag of tea, but I'm not right. going to mess with him. Right. No. I wouldn't, mess with, I wouldn't mess with Seth Rollins. I wouldn't mess with Drake <laughs> Seth Maverick. Rollins is nobody to be fucked with. Dude, have you seen his CrossFit shit? God damn. That guy with, is I amazing. With, I wouldn't mess with any of them. What about no. Roman Reigns? I wouldn't mess with Roman. Dude, dude, dude's no. a leukemia survivor. Dude's tougher than I'm, dude, dude's tougher than I'll ever be. <laughs> Again, no, okay, be, okay. I, I, I should not, say I may not like him, I, but dude, Roman dude, Reigns pre-leukemia surviving. I still wouldn't screw with him. I no, screw with, nobody. Would. I wouldn't screw with Drake Maverick. I wouldn't screw with the lady no. either. Not a single no, one. No, hell no. Fuck no. Hey, did you know that Seth? Hey, how did you, what did you think about Seth Rollins and uh, Becky Lynch getting married? I didn't even know they were dating. Uh, they, they, they came out that they were dating and then it kind of became a storyline and now they're engaged. Yeah. Good, for, good for them, I say. Good for them. I would definitely like them not to make that a story, though. You. Yeah. Seth Rollins does not need a love interest. No, he's so good. It's just off the cuff. So he and Becky, you know, on their own are are, are their own achievement. Oh, I, I I don't think there's yeah. a, anything extra is needed there. Yeah, I love I love the wrestling couples. However, I've seen a lot of the wrestling couples just kind of fall apart. So I'm like, yeah, it's mm. cute, but how long is it gonna last? It's great. Not very long. Yeah, but, never does. But at any rate, all right. Well, Thanks. let's go ahead and wind down this episode. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you, number number one, for being on. Number two, for doing it twice. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pain in the ass, I know. You know, I, I, after we finished the first time, I sat there, it's like, something went wrong. Something had to have gone wrong. Just because, I, I, it's, just because it's me and a podcast. And that. <laughs> well. I thought that it was, but I went back through all my other uh, calls that I had made, and, mm -hmm. and I record every call that I do. Um, there are some calls that if, that if they call me, it doesn't record their audio. So I don't think it was you. I oh, think it was so me. You, so, you, so you had to call me. Okay. Well, oh, yeah. I should have called you. Well, if at some point, if at some point we, do, we do another one, I'm sure we will at some point do another one. I we'll hope keep we that do, in mind. Yeah, you're an awesome host. You're really good at it. You're experienced. You know what you're talking about. You come prepared. That's amazing. Most people just don't do that. They're just like, okay, you, you blind me through this one. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. Well, thank you very much for having me here on the Wheel of Crime. Thank you, audience, for putting up with my with my wrestling encyclopedic knowledge of wrestling. 
which again no not thank you for them putting up with it thank you for blessing us with it thank you i appreciate that <laughs> uh, um, no problem well there's ain't nothing nothing to do but uh, do but say bye bye all right you have a good one bye let's take a small break and hear a word from our sponsor all right guys it's time to spin that wheel all right guys Let's get ready for today's spin. Are you ready? Let's go. Oh, we've landed on famous serial killers. Next week, we're going to get into one of the famous serial killers biographies. Join us next time on the Wheel of Crime. Hey everybody, thanks again for joining us on episode number three of the Wheel of Crime podcast. Thanks again to Chris for being the co-host tonight. Your wrestling knowledge is amazing. I am, of course, not worthy and in awe. (laughs) Um, Also, thanks again to everybody who makes this podcast possible. Thank you for listening. Uh, Join us next week when we talk about famous serial killers. Join us, won't you? I want to leave you with a couple clips tonight, a couple of them talking about Gino Hernandez, a couple talking about Dino Bravo. Thanks again. Don't be a dick. And some people have speculated because of the way he died, the uh, cocaine overdose was found in his stomach. They speculated some foul play was involved. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, Gino, towards the end, he really got heavy into drugs. He was uh, shooting drugs in his body, so, you know, uh, he started hanging around with some shady people, so y- you never know, but he was taking a lot of drugs. And you mentioned Gino Hernandez. Yeah. A lot of people have said that he may have been murdered because of the cocaine yeah. that he overdosed on was yeah. found in his stomach. Yeah. What do you think of that? Uh, you know, that's that's sort of like the Benoit thing, man. Uh, I'm not God, and I don't know. You know, I know Gino was attached to uh, to some heavy people, you know, and uh, he was also attached to the gay um, factions down in Houston. And uh, he was running in some pretty big circles, man, that maybe didn't belong. I don't know. Were you saddened when you heard about the way he was killed, kind of execution style? Sure, the, you know, just on his passing, but to be murdered, I guess the story I heard was he had murdered a home in his easy chair. I mean, obviously something more was going on than just wrestling with Dino. Because I guess he had tried to make a comeback not too long before that with the WWE, but I guess it wasn't going so well. Well, that's what a lot of folks don't realize, how competitive the WWE is. You know, I tell folks there's 1,500 NFL uh, football players, probably 1,000 NHL hockey players. There's 100 WWE wrestlers. It's television. It's more competitive than sports. Wheel of Crime, 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 Wheel of Crime,